The 2024 election is just months away. How should we interpret this election? Who could be the prevailing winner? And what does it mean for you? Let's get into it. Don't underestimate the ANC's electoral machinery. When the ANC kicks into gear, well, if the ANC could govern as well as it campaigns, we'd probably be living in a utopia. The DA also seems to be at least under threat of, of this falling below 20, 20 mark. And the EFF also seems to be under threat of a potential stagnation. So I for one struggle to see what's so historic about this uh, meeting that was held ironically at a, at a casino, I think. Um, cue jokes about people gambling with South Africa's future and all of that. I, I for one don't see what's so historic about it. The moment you start excluding the ANC and the EFF from the equation, you're living in a dream world if you think that combination is gonna fall below 50% in six months time. Spread the fire, welcome back to SMWX for another episode and today we are analyzing the 2024 election. By the way, all the way up to the election, we're starting a new series here on SMWX, The Road to 2024, where I will be periodically taking you through questions to consider as the election approaches. And we are starting because we are just months away from the election in 2024. Many say this could be a watershed election. Many say this could be the most important and most groundbreaking election since 1994. Let's have a look and see whether that's true. So in today's video, I want to look at, firstly, the background to this election. Secondly, I wanna take a look at the polls and where parties stand in terms of numbers as well. Thirdly, I'm going to look at some of the provincial dynamics of this election because we often look at the national picture, but the provincial picture is just as maybe even more important. Then after that, I want to take a look at how opposition parties have done what they call the moonshot pact, which has turned into the multi-party charter, and have a look at whether that is really something that is historic or whether it is just a storm in a teacup. And finally, we are going to look at some of the rare scenarios that could emerge from this election that some people haven't spoken about yet. So with all that said, let's get into today's video and start with the background to the groundbreaking question mark 2024 election. Okay, so let's come to the background of this election. And the first thing is, when is the election actually going to be held? So let's have a look at that. So according to South African law, the constitution, as well as the election laws which flow from that, a national election in South Africa has to be held every five years. So what does that mean? The last national election national general election, which is different from the local government elections. So a national election is when we elect members of parliament and therefore 
the, the president who gets elected from parliament and then the president appoints the cabinet. So the group of people who run the country in terms of laws and the executive. So that the 2024 election has to happen five years after the last election, which was in 2019. But let's get more specific because the last election in 2019 happened on the 8th of May that year. So five years from there would be technically the 7th of May. It has to happen before the 8th of May. But the law allows for a 90-day period from the end of the last election. So 90 days after the 7th of May, 2024, the election can happen in any period after that. So what does that mean in practice? The election is going to be somewhere around the 8th of May until the 5th of August. And the president gets to decide exactly when that will happen. Now, all of South Africa's elections have tended to happen either in April or in May, but there's nothing preventing them from happening a little bit later. So we could actually have a winter election, which would not be fun. Please can that not happen in like June or July. We could have one in, as I say, early August, or we could have one in the typical time, which is probably around uh, late April, early May, um, or, or from May onwards, technically onwards from the 8th of May. So that's roughly when you can expect the election to happen. What about where the different political parties sit in terms of the last election? Let's refresh our memories as to who holds what power and what power could shift going up until 2024. So let's take a look at the ANC. The ANC is currently sitting at 57.5% of the national vote in parliament, which equates to 230 seats out of 400 seats. The DA, on the other hand, is sitting at just over 20% of the vote, which is 84 seats. The EFF is sitting on just over 10% of the vote, and it has 44 seats. And then the fourth biggest party is the IFP, which has nearly 4% or 3.4%. So they're on 14 seats. The Freedom Front is the fifth biggest party and they have 2.3% or around 10 seats. So that's where we are. But let's also take a look at some of the, the trends and the shifts, right? So the ANC is currently at 57, but it has been trending downwards. So in 2019, the election, uh, the most recent election, it got 57. In the election before that, the 2014 election, the ANC was at 62%. So you can see that its share of the vote has fallen by nearly 5% since that election. And the ANC has been trending downwards since 2009, I believe. Now, the DA, sitting at 20%, actually also fell somewhat from 2014, where they were at around 22%. So they shaved off about 1.5% of their vote between the elections, which is interesting because the ANC is falling, but the DA also fell. The EFF, on the other hand, from a lower base, grew. So in 2014, it was at around 6%. And then in 2019, it grew to, as I say, just shy of 
So it grew by about four and a half percentage points. So what we have is an interesting situation and scenario where we have three parties, the three biggest parties, and of course there are other important parties that we'll discuss in this election, where the two biggest parties are trending downwards from a relatively lower base, the EFF, the third party, has been growing, but that growth is also in question in this election, and the question is, will that trajectory continue? So I guess if we take a step back, what some of the background questions are, actually the three biggest parties all have some pressure on them. The ANC has big pressure on it because is this gonna be the election where it goes below 50%? Or even if it just clings on to its 50% majority, that's still not a great look for a party that continues to lose support every election. So it's under pressure to reverse this trend of losing support and especially not to get below 50. But the DA, on the other hand, is also under pressure because if they lose support and go below 20%, which they've been comfortably above in some elections, then what does that mean about the DA and the fact that they will have effectively suffered a, a technical recession in voter support? They will have gone backwards in two successive elections. So John Steenhuisen has his work cut out to make sure that the story of the DA isn't also successive electoral declines. The EFF, on the other hand, as I say, has been growing from a low base, but the, the pressure on the EFF is, will it continue to grow and it, will it continue to increase its support or will it stay relatively stagnant? So the EFF needs to demonstrate that after getting 10%, it can go higher to the 15 uh, area of the, of the electorate. If it stays stagnant at 10, then that could suggest that there's some kind of ceiling at play. So actually the three big parties, as it were, have different kinds of pressure on them. And it's possible that all three could, could actually be disappointed at the end of the election, or one will do well and the other two won't, and there are various permutations. So that's just a backdrop of where we are in terms of the election and in terms of when we can expect the election to happen. And we are entering one of the most important seasons in South African political history. So now let's have a look at what some of the polls are telling us and what some of the by-elections have told us in terms of what we can expect performance-wise from multiple different political parties. Spread the fire, fam. This is just a quick reminder that if you'd like to buy one of my two books, The New Apartheid or Democracy and Delusion, which have both been bestsellers in South Africa, click the link below. If you live in South Africa, we can deliver it to your door. If you're outside of South Africa, you can get it on Kindle or on Amazon Audible. Okay, let's get back into it. So I think one interesting way to look at the election is to take a look at some of the data that has come out since the election uh, happened and try to make sense of it. Now, I'm not a pollster, but what I do enjoy doing is looking at what polls come out and trying to interpret and make sense of those polls. And there are reasonable ways that you can do this. One of the most familiar ways is to look at many different polls and take the average of those polls, and that can sometimes point you in an interesting direction. I've done this for previous elections, just for my own interests, and you get the general ballpark. Obviously, you can't 
even polls themselves um, are, are hardly ever exactly predictive. But what they do do is they rule out various scenarios. So I think, unfortunately, we're in an impoverished polling environment in South Africa, and it would be nice to see a lot more regular polling and polling of different questions. But we have to work with what we what we have. So we know that Ipsos has released um, what it calls the Pulse of the People, where it checks political party support. And we know that uh, the Social Research Foundation has also done some political party support. And we know that there have been a number of by-elections in South Africa since the local government elections that we can have a look at. I'm not going to bore you with a long statistical diatribe. What I will tell you is my conclusion, which is that looking at where the polling is right now, and of course that can change and we'll continue to follow it as the election goes, the ANC seems to be in somewhere around just over or just under the 50% mark. So it's going to be really fascinating in this election to see which side of that 50% line the ANC falls. It's, of course, also going to be dependent on a number of things going forward. Now, I think the state of service delivery is, is obviously key to that, and load shedding is obviously key to that. Now, it looked like the ANC had load shedding, quote unquote, getting under control. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, we're back into stage six. And the election's not far away, which you also have to remember. Like, the ANC should be doing everything in its power to prevent terrible stages of load shedding, and it still can't get us out of that. Remember how we said we avoided stage six and winter? Mm. Next thing you know, cold front, stage six, and here we are. So the more misgovernance, the further and further away from that 50% mark, I think the ANC is falling. So we know the historical trends which we've looked at, we know some of the current polling, and that seems to be roughly the ballpark. Maybe that suggests that, you know, people's uh, talk of a complete ANC electoral collapse is a little bit premature. I mean, who knows how bad things could get before now in the election, but don't underestimate the ANC's electoral machinery. When the ANC kicks into gear, well, if the ANC could govern as well as it campaigns, we'd probably be living in a utopia. So there's that. I think the DA, it's a little more difficult to, to know and to tell, but the DA also seems to be at least under threat of, of this falling below 20, 20 mark. And the EFF also seems to be under threat of a potential stagnation. So ultimately where we are, and we'll continue to follow the polls, keep taking averages of different polls and just, just, just saying where we are. It's not an exact science, but what you can do is rule out crazy scenarios like, is the DA going to win this election? No, they're not. Uh, is the ANC going to get a two-thirds majority? No, let's not, let's not be silly. Is the EFF, as they often say, going to win a majority? No, they're not. The question is, where around the 50% mark will the ANC fall at this point? Will it be 45? Will it be 52? Uh, will the DA go below the 20 or will it be just above? Will the EFF start to push towards the DA and the DA fall so that they actually um, are kind of more equal in their power bases rather than the DA being at 20 and the EFF at 10? I think that's an interesting dynamic to watch. If the DA comes to like a 17, 
and the EFF goes to a 13 or 14, then suddenly the official opposition tag um, takes on a different dynamic. So that's kind of where we stand and how I'm looking at the situation right now. Having set the background and looked at some of the current data that we can take into account, and I'll speak a bit more about the by-elections as well when I go into provincial dynamics, let's look at what could happen in different provinces of South Africa. Because I think a lot of focus has been on what's going to happen at the national level. Will the ANC lose the cabinet, lose the presidency? It's possible, but it's still it's still probably more likely that the ANC will retain power and at least be the biggest party. But that doesn't mean that that still won't be a watershed election. So I want to take a look at some provincial dynamics to explore this election in some more depth. Let's have a look at that. Okay, so what are some of the provincial dynamics that we need to keep an eye on? Well, we know right now that the ANC dominates provincial government in South Africa. There's only one province that the ANC doesn't govern, and that is the Western Cape. But there are many interesting political storylines in this election, but I want to focus on three today. And we can get into more as the weeks and months unfold. The first is Gauteng, which the ANC governs by the skin of its teeth at the moment. The second province is KZN, a province that the ANC over time won away from the IFP, but is in serious danger of losing in 2024. And the final province is actually the Western Cape, because just as the ANC is in trouble in Gauteng and KZN, maybe some other provinces, the DA has had the majority of support in the Western Cape for a long time now, but that DA control over the Western Cape is also doubtful. So what happens in an election when, for the first time, many provinces are up for grabs? Well, there are various scenarios that we can potentially think through here. Let's take a look at KZN, for example, right? Is there a world in which if the ANC loses KZN, but they fall below 50% nationally, they can strike a deal with the IFP and say, okay, IFP will give you control over KZN, which you have long coveted, and you give us support in the national government, or maybe we can give you some ministries there as well. And we'll do a deal where even though we lost the election and we didn't get our 50%, the IFP takes us over the 50% margin nationally and we govern and we give the IFP our support in KZN for them to form, form a government. So you can see how the provincial dynamics could influence the national dynamics and vice versa. And just on that scenario, it would be a fascinating historical moment because we know that the ANC and the IFP have a history of enmity, particularly in the 1980s and 1990s, there was widespread political violence where around 20,000 people lost their lives, particularly in political violence between the ANC and the IFP. 
So it would be quite a surprising historical moment from that vantage point for them ultimately to come together in a unity pact in KZN and the national government. Now, of course, the IFP has has uh, signaled that it wants to join the Moonshot Pact or the multi-party charter, which we'll discuss later. But you can never rule out these things in politics. I mean, the ANC and the IFP have a deeper history as well before the 1980s. In actual fact, um, Chief Mangosutu Butelezi, Prince Mangosutu Butelezi, um, may his soul rest in peace, who we recently lost, was actually very close to various liberation leaders. And the IFP and ANC were actually two sides of a similar coin in the early part of their history. And they fell out in the 1970s over two questions. One was the question of political violence. Um, apparently, uh, the IFP was strongly against the decision to uh, embark on armed resistance to apartheid and also the extent of collaboration with the, the Bantustan homeland system. And that's where the rift was created between the two. But ultimately, could we see a fascinating historical reunion between the ANC and the IFP? It's maybe one of those scenarios that hasn't been discussed, but it seems one that is at least possible. So that's one way that provincial dynamics could influence the national dynamics in 2024. Another way that the provincial dynamics could influence the national dynamics is in the Western Cape. Now, if the DA loses its majority in the Western Cape and the ANC loses its national majority, then what you could have is a situation where the DA says to the ANC, we'll help you in the national government. Let's partner nationally. You help us in the Western Cape because we still want to govern the Western Cape. So you could have a similar scenario to the ANC-IFP playing out, except this time it's an ANC-DA pact where the ANC offers up, sacrifices the Western Cape and the DA sacrifices a little bit of influence in the national government and we have this kind of provincial uh, trade-off. Now, that would open the door to further ANC-DA cooperation. In a previous video, by the way, last year, where I already started thinking about coalition scenarios, I was one of the first people to start talking about this potential grand coalition between the ANC and the DA. Because even though they claim to be mortal enemies, one of the scenarios in 2024 is that they actually come together, form a joint government, and through a huge parliamentary majority, they can actually get a lot of things done. It would make a lot of people angry, but we've seen people like Snooki Zigalala, the ANC Veterans League uh, leader, actually saying, you know, we shouldn't rule out as the ANC working with the DA. We've seen the mayor of Cape Town, uh, Jordan Hill Lewis, saying, well, our first prize is to govern, but we need to keep out the EFF. So... If it means we have to work with the ANC to do that, then we will do that. And John Steenhuisen has made similar overtures. So the Western Cape dynamics could militate towards this grand coalition. And that's another way that we need to understand the way the provincial dynamics could influence the national dynamics. Now, thirdly, 
we've got the question of Gauteng. Gauteng is a little bit more complicated because there are so many different parties that want to govern Gauteng. But once again, could we see something to do with the ANC and the EFF, for example? So the ANC could say, okay, EFF, you help us with our national majority and we will help you to govern Gauteng. We will give you a Gauteng EFF premier and help us to be the national government. So as you can see, there are various other kinds of permutations. Gauteng is a lot more split than many of the different provinces, so we might see some kind of multi-party arrangement there. In Gauteng, could we see an opposition coalition coming together to govern Gauteng? That's another interesting question. Could we see the same kind of instability in Gauteng as we have seen in Johannesburg, which is one of the major cities in Gauteng, which in some ways has led people to be skeptical of the stability of opposition coalitions. So you'll see that even if the ANC, and it's by no means certain that the ANC keeps its national majority, there are still fascinating provincial dynamics that could make this a breakthrough watershed election for South Africa's politics. Here's the bottom line. If the ANC loses Gauteng, KZN, and the Western Cape, what does it really govern? It governs the remainder of the country, but the economy of the country, including its biggest cities and its biggest provinces, will be outside of ANC control. And the ANC will control those parts of the country, no less important, they're, they're crucial parts of the country, but many of the economic hubs of South Africa will slip from the ANC's grasp. Okay, so let's have a look at the dynamics of opposition politics outside the ANC. So the first big thing that has happened since we last spoke about the election is the so-called multi-party charter. Some question whether it's an interesting moment in opposition politics or is the multi-party charter a non-starter? That's the question. I, for one, think that all the hype around this multi-party charter situation is completely overblown. So we heard some political analysis uh, analysts suggest that this is a historic moment for the for the country. The A uh, sorry, the DA, Action SA, the IFP, and various small, uh, if not minute, parties have come together to agree on a way forward for the election. The first thing, and this is the first time this has ever happened. Firstly, those political analysts, unfortunately, have very short memories. Uh, the IFP and the DA have actually joined forces before an election. Uh, this happened when Tony Leon was DA leader. And I can't remember what they called it. Uh, comment below if, if you remember. It was some kind of cooperation. But we've already had those two parties saying that they are going to cooperate into an election. It actually didn't end very well electorally for them. And this was, you know, um, more, than, more than a decade ago, um, more like two decades ago. I think it was the 2004 election where they did this. So 
there's nothing new about South Africa's opposition parties trying to find ways to club together for the election. Furthermore, who are the real political parties here? Because unfortunately, we can exclude some of these tiny parties that, that are just going to be uh, decimal places, right? Next to the comma. The DA, Action SA, and the IFP, in truth, are the real parties who got together for this agreement. Well, the D, well, Action SA, um, actually, as Julius Malema recently observed, is an offshoot of the DA. So, I mean, it's not that hard to imagine that they would have similar interests and that they would be able to find each other because Herman Mashaba was a DA mayor. So there's nothing historic about Action SA and the DA cooperating. And like I say, the DA and the IFP have already cooperated before. So I, for one, struggle to see what's so historic about this uh, meeting that was held, ironically, at a, at a casino, I think. Um, cue jokes about people gambling with South Africa's future and all of that. I, I for one, don't see what's so historic about it. Um, the other question that I just have in my mind about this multi-party charter is, who wasn't there? Rise Mzansi, a new party, wasn't there. Um, even the, was the ACDP there? No, I don't think they were there. Even if they were there, that, that does, ah, the Freedom Front Plus. Okay, that's another party that, that was there. But when you add up all of these, all of these parties, right, uh, Bosa, Musi Maimane's new party wasn't there. You would have thought if there was a historic opposition, uh, all the new parties and even some of the existing, all the UDM wasn't there, the ATM wasn't there, etc. A historic moment, of course, the EFF wasn't there. A true historic moment in South African politics would be all opposition parties coming together to say, we are going to form a new government and despite the myriad and vast differences between us, we believe we can find a common program. That's the only thing that could unseat the ANC. The moment you start excluding the ANC and the EFF from the equation, you're living in a dream world if you think that combination is going to fall below 50% in six months' time. So I'm not convinced that the multi-party charter represents a potential new government. And I think, quite frankly, the attention given to it was, was vastly overplayed. Let's see if they can bring in more, more voices. Let's see if they can bring in more heavy hitters. But for now, it seems to me like the DA was only able to get a handful of already aligned parties to a table. And even since then, we've seen some of the fraying of that opposition coalition. So... Not convinced by this multi-party charter moment and its so-called historical importance. Let me know what you think about it down below. Comment on this and other parts of this video. Let's move into our final segment, though, which is about some of the unlikely but very interesting potential national government scenarios that could come from 2024. Okay, let's get into our last segment. By the way, keep it locked on SMWX. Like, share, subscribe. Like, if, if you're just watching this channel all the way to the election, you're going to be 
one of the most knowledgeable people about this election, because we're going to go so deep into this election. We're going to do it from a youth perspective. And it's just going to be better than the other places that are talking about the election. So like, share, subscribe, and let's continue to spread the fire and build this channel by word of mouth as we've been doing since 2019. Fun fact, this channel uh, came about because of the 2019 election. And here we are, nearly five years later, talking about the next one. Okay, rare scenarios. What could happen in 2024 that other people haven't spoken about yet? Because we know all the different coalition scenarios. And as I say, I've already done a video about that. Could be an ANC-EFF government. Could be an ANC-DA government. Could be an opposition coalition government. Those are all like likely scenarios. But we can't deny that there could be some very surprising and very spectacular things that could happen. So I want to talk about things that some political analysts have uh, not given so much attention to. So the first possibility is a minority government. What does that mean? It means that, for example, the ANC could not get 50%. But nobody would be able to create an opposition coalition against the ANC because there's so many parties and it's so hard to get people to actually agree on which position. So the ANC, even from below 50, would eventually form a government without a majority. Now, this has happened in, in many places, in many democracies. The most recent example was uh, the United Kingdom, where there have been many minority governments, but there was a recent one as well. So. What would a minority government mean? Well, it would mean that the ANC would be able to form a government and form a cabinet and have the president, but they would rely on being able to convince shape-shifting and different opposition parties at different times of their legislative proposals. So when it comes time to pass a budget, they might be able to convince the IFP to support their budget. But when it comes to the land question, then the IFP would be against them, but then they could try and bring the EFF to support a land uh, law proposal. And then if it comes to some other question, they could maybe convince the DA. So the ANC would have this kind of moving majority, even though they would be a minority government. Now, of course, it's unlikely, much less likely than the other scenarios. But as South African politics has shown us, you can get a mayor from any party crazy scenarios can happen and we shouldn't rule out the possibility of a minority government and at least understand what that could potentially look like. It could be an attractive option in some ways for the ANC because then they wouldn't have to go into a formal coalition with anyone. They would just pick off different MPs at different times. Another uh, unlikely scenario, by the way, is since we're going to get some independent candidates in parliament, you could see the ANC bringing a few independents into its government, and then you'd have like an ANC independent, not quite coalition, but uh, a co-optation of independents to get the ANC over its, its majority in parliament. <clears throat> what is another interesting and unlikely scenario? Well, you could have what's called a confidence and support agreement. This is kind of like what happened in Joburg, if you remember, between the EFF and the DA. The EFF said, we're not going to form part of your government in Joburg. This is when Herman Mashaba was mayor. 
but we will support you with our votes. So you don't go into a formal alliance, but you give voting support to the government, which is actually a minority government. But it's more of a formal um, agreement. So what you could have is the ANC, for example, going into a confidence and support agreement with one of the smaller parties where they say, look, if there's a vote of no confidence in our president or our government, you support us and you support us in terms of budget votes, but you don't become part of the government and we don't necessarily give you um, or trade off a whole lot of cabinet posts. This would allow the party that's in that confidence and support agreement to be slightly more independent from the ANC, but it would also create fascinating dynamics in terms of a government that didn't have a full majority, but only relied on the confidence and support of another minority. So those are just two maybe outlandish, but not impossible situations that could unfold after the 2024 election. I just thought of another one off, off the top of my head, which is also a little bit crazy. In some weird possible world, what if what happened in Joburg happens nationally? So let's say the ANC fell below 50, they were at like 45. All the opposition parties, including the EFF and the DA, clubbed together. But instead of the leader of the biggest party, like John Steenhuisen, then becoming the president, they were like, we are going to take someone from a small party that we all trust, and we're going to make them the president as a compromise between all of us. So they're just like, Bantu Holomisa will be the compromise president of South Africa. It happened in Joburg. You never know. Comment down below if you think that could happen. Um, or what, what, what would you do if we got like a random minority president in South Africa? All right, let's conclude this video in the segment to follow. Okay, fam, thanks for watching. As I said, we're going to keep doing these videos in the build up to the election. Comment down below with your thoughts on 2024. The election is just a few months away. Remember to like, share, subscribe, spread this channel with all your friends and make sure you click the notification bell because this channel is about to get lit leading up to the 2024 election. As always, thank you for watching SMWX. Share on social media. And let's have a conversation in the comments down below about the potential scenarios and what you think could happen. Do you have scenarios of your own that I may have overlooked? What do you think is going to happen in terms of the numbers, provinces, and all the different coalition arrangements? Aye, aye.